0: Welcome back to the GOAT District. I'm Theo Greminger. I'm joined, as always, by my man, Dan Williamson. Dan and I are booking drafts. We're getting ready. I mean, we're close to the season, guys. But we had to bring in Jax Falcone, a.k.a. Scott Bollinger, one of our favorite GOAT District guests, an honorary GOAT at this point. It's always a pleasure having you on. And the timing couldn't have been better because we had just some craziness craziness in the NFL this week in terms of two veterans signing. We've been waiting on all these veteran backs to sign. Finally, the dominoes are starting to fall. How are you doing tonight, Dan? Doing pretty
1: good. Got to love it. Uh another beautiful day in Minnesota. So, th- th- these are the days we live for, you know, when it gets to be uh, you know, January 15th or something like that. Uh, you know, these are the days I look back and say, yeah.
0: And my my man here. my man Scott on the central coast of California, you get a lot more beautiful days than Dan. How are you yes. doing today? How stoked are you to be back in the district this week?
2: I, I love it. I, I you know, it's funny you call me an honorary member. You know, you guys were uh, having me on before I was anybody or maybe I'm still nobody, but still. I mean, you guys have been uh OGs as it, as it were. So, thank you so much. You guys have always done no, this for
0: me. So. It's it's our pleasure. We're going to talk about your anatomy of series. It, it was it's incredibly uh awesome and that's what kind of connected us originally, but we're good at spotting talent here in the in the district. We get, you know, guys like you and Josh Larkey early on, and then we get them back as many times as we want. So yes, here sir. we go, guys. Ready to get after Let's it. Let's do it. So welcome back to the Goat District. And uh, Scott, you're you're recording one of my favorite podcasts. You you record the undrafted. Um, you, you know, the undroppables are dropping a lot of, re- you know, really, really sharp content. But we've been really fortunate to be able to work with you guys this year, Player Profiler. Why don't you let everybody know some of the awesome guests you've had, some of the great shows you've been putting out uh, this summer? Because they've been really, really good.
2: Thank you. Uh, yeah, the show's been growing, man. It's just like it's an arrow straight up, and I don't know when that stops, but I'm, uh, I'm here for the ride till it does. And, you know, a lot of thanks to the partnership with you guys over at Player Profiler. Obviously, Theo, you're, you know, new to the Player Profiler team, obviously having started Goat District, and so you sort of have followed a similar path, um, going a little bit more full-time with Matt. But, you know, the whole idea is that he's, he's creating an, uh, an awesome whatever, you know, enterprise, as he calls it, and so it's been a lot of fun. Uh, the undrafted uh, is my podcast. We've had you know, I mean, JJ Zacharis and Evan Silva, Matt Kelly, you know, tons of other people. I mean, uh, more more than I can mention. Um, you know, Scott Barrett was on there recently. You know, uh, with some great takes about players. Uh, Pat Corrine was on early in the off season, and he said that uh, Brees Hall, or excuse me, he said that the Jets did not view Brees Hall as a, um, a bell Cow back. Boy, those words are becoming more and more prophetic as we
0: move along. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, one question Dan's been asked, and I've been asking pretty much everybody on any show I'm hosting, is like you you put a lot of thought into to the players you back, kind of the my guys, whether it's dynasty, whether it's redraft, um, and you take some bold stands. But what is the one player in all of football if you could know their final? regular season stats who would it be like maybe a guy with a big range of outcomes maybe a guy that unlocks teammates take it any way you want but i'm really curious to hear your answer on this one
2: yeah i gave it a little bit of thought i've heard some good ones from from you guys when you've asked this question like anthony richardson i think is a really solid one obviously because if you could know that he's awesome or not you'd want to fade him or not i think that's a good answer um for the for the one that you know unlocks a lot of players or holds players back i think my answer was russell wilson you know, it'd be kind of nice to know what the hell happens in Denver. I mean, you know, we've seen some uh, some, some really prolific seasons from Russell Wilson, and there's a lot of, uh, you know, skill position guys there that I think I'd be interested in if he had a big season. Marvin Mims, Jerry Judy, maybe even Cortland Sutton if he goes off at value. Uh, Greg Dulcich? Not sure anymore. Man, oh, man, things get scary this time of year, but Russell Wilson would be a good one. But if I could just give you the selfish – I just want to know so I can start grandstanding him right now. to Be Gabe Davis.
0: Oh, I love the Gabe Davis one. Yeah, and that'd be we, you know, we don't take L's, Dan. We no. just wait. So <laughs> yeah, a, lot of, just wait. a lot of Gabe Davis. A lot of Gabe Davis exposure from for my man Scott. Yeah, but no. we, we we've ever seen Gabe Davis. His ADP is rising. Like, why don't you go should, into that a little bit? What's the what is the Gabe Davis um, argument, Scott? Is it because it uh, makes the Bills' offense go nuts? It limits Dave? like what? Take that a little bit.
2: I just want to know if he's going to be awesome so I can start touting him right now and drafting him everywhere and just sort of start the early victory lap, you know, get the checkered flag out and start, you know, double middle fingers on either side, the whole thing, you know, how it goes. But, um, but yeah, I think the case for Gabe is kind of the same as it was last year, except at a better value. You know, he was going, you know, wide receiver 20 to 26 uh, certainly in best ball. And I saw it even happen in some home leagues. Like, <clears throat> you know, I was thinking for sure I was going to get Gabe Davis in my home league, and someone like, I forget when, but it was way early. I was like, oh, shit, there's some bigger OGs than me. Uh, so, you know, Gabe Davis was teamed up. But now we look at him and he's going, you know, well, he's going higher than this, but he was going at like wide receiver 40, 43, 44. Yeah, that's wait. I mean, he he disappointed last year it was a wide receiver 36, 37. So, I mean, I think that he has the same case as he had last year. He showed a couple of big games. He was playing on a bulky ankle. And then the second half of the season, maybe when he was starting to feel a little bit better, you know, uh, Josh Allen was dealing with that sore elbow. I think there was a lot of confluence there that kind of held him back. And he still was a wide receiver three. So I think he's got a, a, you know, a path to what we thought he had a path to last year. No new weapons there other than Dalton Kincaid. And he's a slot guy. He's going to play the same outside role. He played almost 100% of the snaps last year on that bad ankle. I think he's going to play a lot again this year. The only way I think he comes off the field if he's an absolute dud I don't think he's that. I think he's just a good player, a pretty good to very good sort of, you know, X stretch. And that's what he is.
0: Dan, where are you at on Gabe Davis right now?
1: Yeah, we, we were not wrong on Gabe Davis. We were just right before everybody else. So That's, that's right. That, that's all it is. That's um, right. Yeah, I think, I think he's very intriguing where he's going in drafts right now because basically this is, this is a price that we wanted to pay last year. We were paying for <laughs> a right. while. And then all of a sudden you get steamed up and, you know. Uh, you know, good good things tend not to happen when players get steamed up that far. So, uh, yeah. you know, I I I think he's in a great position to succeed. I mean, you know, if he doesn't succeed this year, uh, it's probably just not going to happen for him. But I I'm I'm pretty optimistic on it. He's playing for a contract him. too. Yeah.
0: yeah, and and that's interesting too because if you and definitely uh Jax has a show coming out with a non Nanduri, um and definitely if you're into you know contracts. Um, check out Decision Point, uh, what Anand um, records with Matt here. Yes. But Gabe Davis, it's a very shallow free agent pool at wide receiver. And Gabe Davis is going to get a monster contract. Even if he hits, if he simply hits his wide receiver 36 again, he's going to get paid. Huge. Yeah. And if That's he has crazy. some outlier 9-10 touchdown season, he's going get to get, get a massive contract. So we're going to dive into a lot of guys uh, when we come right back. Um, you know, we're, we got to talk about these running backs, guys, because a uh, little bit of changes. We're going to get a dynasty. We're going to get some redraft takes. Uh, we're going to help you win wherever you play here in the district.
4: Hey, you know, people always ask me, what's the World Series of fantasy? What's the Super Bowl of fantasy? And it's easy it's the FFPC. Their signature players' championship has a $6 million prize pool. And their best ball leagues start in February. And they're the answer to so many questions. Hey, what's the best place to get a dynasty orphan? Well, you can adopt a dynasty orphan at the FFPC right now. There's more orphans at the FFPC than anywhere else on the internet. That's why we partner with them. So if you want to play fantasy football for low, medium, high stakes, you love dynasty, you love best ball, you love seasonal leagues... All types of fantasy footballers need to go to the FFPC. And remember, use promo code UNDERWORLD. Promo code UNDERWORLD gets you $25 off your first team. Promo code UNDERWORLD, $25 off your first team, no matter what the format is, at the FFPC. Go get it. We're back.
0: And, Dan, we're going to be at those FFPC drafts couple weeks now so definitely come say what's up to dan and i we're splitting a couple teams um dan we've got a big nffc draft coming up uh we were talking about in the pre-show so so we're, we're getting after it um but guys we'd be kind of remiss if we didn't focus the show on the two big moves this week so we had the two major signings it's dalvin cook to the jets and zeke elliott to new england it was a massive cascade effect the signings happened within a couple hours of one another um before we get to how we treat the Jets, and how we treat the New England Patriots. What a day for Tony Pollard, because this has been in the back of everybody's minds is Zeke could re-sign with Dallas. Rico Dowdle, Malik Davis, and Deuce Vaughn are the running backs behind him right now. Dan, how should we be treating Tony Pollard in redraft? He's already been steamed up. Is there a case to take him even earlier, make him an anchor RB in like the first round? Where are you comfortable selecting Tony Pollard right now?
1: Yeah, I'm yeah. not ready to slide him up to the first round just yet. Um, because I, I think if the Cowboys are smart, they're going to continue to limit his workload somewhat somewhat, and use some of those other guys to, uh, you know, just try to help keep him fresh and uh, use him in a little bit more in the high leverage situations. You know, which is, that's good things for fantasy points because it allows him to be, you know, like his his most um, efficient self. And that's what we want to see. Uh, we, we, we don't want to see him, you know, getting... 20 carries a game or something like that. That would be horrible for a guy like Tony Pollard. Uh, you know, so I, I'm pretty optimistic. It's just, you know, that, you know, he he could end up being something like, a, you know, a poor man's Austin Eckler or something like that. But even a poor man's Austin Eckler, I'm going to probably keep in the early second rather than in the late first.
0: Yeah, it, it's interesting. You bring up the Austin Eckler thing and uh, Pollard's never seen more than 55 targets. Like if you kind of like, uh, it's like a Mandela effect. If you ask somebody... What's Tony Pollard's most receptions he's had in a season? You'd probably be like 50. It's 39. So this year, with him on the field a lot, I think, you know, that the receiving upside is certainly there. Scott, where do you value Pollard among running backs right now in redraft? Like, is, where is, where, is he a top five back for you? Like, where is he at?
2: Yeah, so I, I talked about this a little bit. I, I think there's the Christian McCaffrey tier, and then there's a tier two. And for me, that tier two includes Austin Eckler, Nick Chubb, Saquon Barkley, Tony Pollard, and Bijan John Robinson. I I think he may be number two in that group, I think. I mean, he's he's poised to have a pretty big season. Um, I took him at the one-two turn in best ball today. Uh, I took CeeDee Lamb and Tony Pollard. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah let's I go Yeah, it's just fun. Uh, Amon Ra got sniped right before. I was going to take uh, Amon Ra and CD. but you know, what, what are you going to do? But I love Tony Pollard right around there. So, you know, right around, like I said, anywhere in that, in that second tier. And uh, obviously if you can, you know, see him slide to you in the late second, even, even better. But I think those, those five backs are kind of in a, in a tier for me, um, obviously Eckler has proven it. Um, you know, you, you mentioned the, the carries I I'm okay. I mean, he had 193 carries last year with Zeke on the, on the team. I think he's a lock for 200, obviously barring any health issues um so if he if he sees north of 200 carries and again i think the 55 targets is also kind of a lock given you know that he was splitting time with with a veteran like zeke now obviously there's nobody there look deuce vaughn could actually steal some targets in that in that, in that, path, annoying, in that right i'm serious man i mean you know i i was the one poo-pooing deuce vaughn the whole time i mean i'm the biggest deuce vaughn fader um, you know, I had John lob on the show and we lobbed stuff, uh, grenades at Deuce Vaughan. It was pretty bad, but you know, I, I, also kept doing the thing where I would, I would say, uh, tell me who this prospect is. And I would give him all of Deuce Vaughan's, you know, peripherals except for his size. And someone was like, dude, that's a, you know, that's a 1.01 in dynasty type of thing. And it's, then you say it's Deuce Vaughn and he's five, five, 170 five, one I like, ah, forget it. So outside of his size, he was a really a perfect prospect in almost every single way. So, you know, there's still a, a pathway for him to be successful. But I think more so for Deuce Vaughn as a, as a sort of a pass catcher, uh, which could hurt uh, Tony Pollard's upside a little tiny bit. Uh, but I'm still kind of banking on him seeing at least that 55 target and at least 200 carries, which if he can clear both of those and then get more than that, I think he's a lock for, you know, high end RB1 this year in that in that offense.
0: And then, you know, it's interesting, not to get too far off the show sheet, but Scott referenced how he wanted to start out with Amon Ross St. Brown. He yeah. ends up taking Pollard and CeeDee Lamb. Dan, me and you have often kind of attacked the zero uh, RB approach this year. It's been kind of like a low-hanging fruit because there's so many wide receivers getting pushed up. You get your good wide receivers, and then we get our exposure to running backs a little bit later. But that being said, With that tier of running backs that Scott referenced, you know, his Christian McCaffrey and then the next five, and Dan, yours might be a little longer, might be a little shorter. Is there a more of an argument to hero RB after this week? Does it make you want to maybe have an anchor a little early? Because it makes me take a step back and say, I don't have to worry about like all these guys that are like running backs eight through 18 with all this kind of uncertainty, get the known volume and then go nuts where where are you at dan does this change anything for you
1: i haven't been doing as much anchor as i normally do in past years just because of that that nice tier of running backs that's coming in later yeah uh, you know and i definitely need to get a little bit more exposure uh to like saquon chubb you know in, in some cases it's been one of those deals where you know you just you you have a pick that's a little bit too early for them, or you have a pick that's a little bit too late for them, and I've had a hard time hitting the uh, you know the Goldilocks zone on those guys, uh, you know. But those things always straighten around if you you know just keep signing up for drafts. So uh, I, I'm sure I will get my exposure up on them as well. But yeah, I think I think you've got to have you know if you've got a portfolio, you've got to have some of those uh, anchor running back teams, and then you've got to have some zero running back teams. So
2: feel good with both ways. Theo, I, I think what's interesting about that is we're so best ball driven. Obviously we have our dynasty leagues. Those are, you know, different when you start to play redraft, the brain shifts a little bit because if you draft two or three, like let's say it's one of those leagues where it's like start three wide receivers and, and a flex, for example, and there's two running backs. When you are after like, like in best ball, you need to draft like seven, eight, nine wide receivers. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Whereas you're not drafting nine wide receivers in a redraft league. Hopefully not. Shout out to Andrew he,
0: Schellenberg, who's not on the goat district tonight. Did he do this? I mean, you wouldn't do this, right? I mean, golly. Not usually. Not usually he, for you know. He, he might though. He, out of
2: he anybody, might. he might. But you know what I mean? You, yeah. If you have Amon Ra, CD, and whatever, you have a, you have a. Few, you're starting them. You only. Can, I mean, what are you going to do? You're just going to have these points on the bench. What you really want is high end upside running backs. You know, the Kenny Gainwells, the Devon A Chains, et cetera. So you're almost likely to have nine running backs and five wide receivers. In a redraft league so i think it changed a little bit and i i do think that the anchor running back in other words i've been doing a couple mock drafts for a redraft which is a totally different animal just recently this week because i don't really get into redraft season until about right now but when i started doing that when i went with this wide receiver heavy approach i just felt like i wish i had one running back just like you said one of those guys up front just so i could be like yeah you know somewhere at the turn if i just grab one i totally agree with you if i can get my hands on one of those guys I probably want to do it. So I agree with you. I would go anchor and redraft and maybe a little bit different in best ball.
0: Now let's take it one step further. This is not a draft structure show, but curious your guys' thoughts on this because, Dan, if you talk about the top six that Jack, Jack's referenced, if I'm picking at the 10, I'm picking the 11, I'm picking the 12, I'm picking at the 9, I can get two of them. Mm. I could start out with a, with a double RB start, and I could end up with <laughs> potentially – two of the guys with the most predictable volume and guys that if we were all, if me, if, if the three of us bet on who would finish as RB one overall, one of those six is probably it. Yeah. So Dan, would you ever consider going RBRB based on the scarcity of the known commodities at running back?
1: Not for me, really. I mean, I just, I I have a hard time uh, getting on board with that just because of, what it leaves me at wide receiver when it comes back around to me next time uh you know the, the three four turn yeah. is is not great for wide receiver there's not guys i have a lot of confidence in you know I the guys at the five six turn i've got as much confidence in them as the guys at the three four and then you're looking at a bunch of other good running backs at the the five six turn as well you know so for me it kind of comes down to if you work your way backwards through the draft uh, you know, it it really forces me to do nothing more than an anchor, you know, definitely not a, you know, a double RB build.
0: Yeah, I'm with you, Dan. I have a Bijan Pollard team, and it feels awesome for about an hour. <laughs> and then, you know, you're you're playing catch-up. And I think it also, like Dan said, just based on how the structure is this year, if I go RBRB, then it almost forces me to go wide receiver, wide receiver, wide receiver to play catch-up. And then you're diving into players who, you know, potentially could be failing. I'm trying to catch up at wide receiver. And then I'm also playing catch up this year at quarterback and avoid and not getting exposure to the top tight end. So it's kind of like a double-edged sword. What what about you, Scott?
2: Yeah, I kind of agree with that. I you know, maybe that that wide receiver, you know, that wide receiver tier is probably a little bit deeper. Maybe you could say that you know there's one or two tiers that get you all the way out to Devontae Smith, DK Metcalf, T. Higgins, maybe. And I mean, it, what's interesting is like it's kind of like I wonder, you know, there's that for me anyway. Keenan Allen, Godwin, Cooper, Ridley, Ayuk, McLaurin, Debo, like there's just so many guys there. But I don't feel great about any of them. Like I feel great about them as players, but like there's certain things about their situation, their injury history, their age, their offense. Like there's something in there for each of them where you go, yeah, but you know what I mean? So it's interesting in that that area that, that, you know, they're there for a reason, right? You know, they do have some upside, but yeah, it, it gets very interesting. So I think I would probably want to lock in a wide receiver and a running back, if anything, if not two two wide receivers. I think constructively that sounds a little bit more tenable than – then two running backs, and then looking at Keenan Allen as your wide receiver. One going, geez, Louise, how's this going to work out?
0: Yeah, it's it's like uh, it's it's tough. It's like uh, bringing a knife to a gunfight when somebody starts out with Tyree Kill, and then you're starting out with DK Metcalf. So, <laughs> yeah. uh, guys, want to want to pivot over here? So, let's start out in New England, okay, mm. Scott. This your team, the New England Patriots. Yeah, uh, you got some compliments for your Boston hat, Got the six one seven. Um, so this was like the first domino to fall. First, we get the Zeke. In a barber chair, looking incredibly dapper, Zeke's you know kind of let it go before, but you know I appreciate a nice fade. He had a wonderful fade, so you knew something was happening. Yeah, you, there's, he's been connected to New England, and then all of a sudden we get him signing with New England. Yeah. So, it, you had a nice tweet on this. You think that this is an indictment on Harris on Pierre Strong? Talk about the stat you referenced in terms of the carries that you think Zeke's going to inherit.
2: I think I have it on the top of my head. I have it close it's enough. 140-ish, no. right? Yeah, yeah it, was, it was, you know, uh, Ramondre had 210. I think it might have been 212 or whatever, but 210 carries. And the rest of the running backs <clears throat> in New England had 146 carries last year. And I said, Zeke is coming for those 146. You know, uh, more so than he's coming for the 210 of Ramondre. It's not like they're going to, you know, dial Ramondre back. Now, Ramondre had a couple of games once Damian Harris was hurt, and I understand that criticism of that tweet. It makes sense. I get it. I understand that clearly. But the other the other part of this that doesn't come through in the tweet that can come through in long form as we're doing here is that um, if, if Pierre Strong is the running back too, what's he more likely to do? He's more likely to come in when? In passing situations, taking away targets from uh, Ramondre. Zeke is more likely to vulture goal line and short yardage. Short yardage is actually the least valuable. I mean, you know, third and one on the fifty, let him have it. I don't, who gives a shit? You know, I mean, and, and except in my leagues, I play point per first down, as you know, Theo. But yes, you know, I most do. Dan and don't. I both
0: know. Dan and I are in there.
2: Yes, most leagues don't, and so therefore, it's a mostly meaningless, uh, you know, carry for 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 most leagues, except for my smart leagues that we play in. Um, but um, but but I think that means that the Ramondre target share is a little safer today than it was before because, you know, Zeke isn't coming in there to catch passes.
0: So, Dan, you've been someone who's been, I wouldn't call you a, a Ramondre hater, but you've certainly been a Ramondre fader at ADP, Dan. When Ramondre starts showing up in the fourth round, are you considering him there? I know you were out in the third, but based on the way you draft, where a lot of times you're starting out with, maybe a couple wide receivers, maybe two wide receivers and a a tight end, two wide receivers and a quarterback. Does he become someone that you look at as, hey, I'm okay going into the season with Ramondre as, like, my RB1? Yeah,
1: I think so, especially if you're drafting in the back half of the, you know, back around the, you know, 9, 10, 11, 12 range. Um, I think that makes a a lot of sense because right now there's not a whole lot there for those guys, you know, drafting there in the third round. It's like, you know, they're – after about 307, uh, 306, you know, if everybody's doing their job right and you're in the uh, front part of the draft, there's a big step down, you know, and having Ramondre push down into that area gives me some options because otherwise, you know, basically, I end up taking a, a quarterback a lot of times there just because I'm looking and I'm going, I just don't see anybody I really feel good about it running back and wide receiver. So I might as well just go ahead and take one of these elite quarterbacks. You know, give me the Justin Herbert, give me the Joe Burrow, give me the you know uh, Lamar Jackson, somebody like that in there, and then I'll take only one of the guys that I don't feel great about when I'm on my three-four turns. So having Ramondre there is definitely going to help out, and I will feel very good about getting my exposure up on Ramondre because it's it's low right now. Uh, when he was you know at FFPC, he was living at the uh, you know basically at the two-three turn. Uh, and you know pushing him back to the back end is going to help a ton um, i will definitely take some
0: so scott where are you at on like last year you bring up the receptions for Ramondre. i think he's one of the few backs that if everything works out for him he could lead his team in targets <laughs> um it's true it would it, it, there's not a lot at the wide receiver position unless we're betting on a juju resurgence mike josecki and, and hunter henry it's really hard to see them um, You know beating out Stevenson for targets Last year he had I believe he caught 60 69 passes something along there nice. Do you think that he's safe for 60 passes uh, 60, 60 catches this year Do you think that like he's a guy that we look at And we say the receiving work Is super safe
2: I think he's safe for 60 targets I don't know about 60 catches that's a lot um, yeah. You know because that would be 80 Targets or something I, I think he's safe For 60 targets Um. You know, obviously coaching change. I don't know. I, I just don't see a lot of, of running backs who are going to command targets out of the backfield. I do think that Mac Jones is a guy who would like to target running backs out of the backfield. And for those reasons, I think he's a lock for a pretty strong floor. I have no idea what the ceiling is. I mean, I think we saw the ceiling last yeah. year. I don't think you're going to see much more than that. I mean, you can't expect that. Um, but, yeah, I think the receiving work is there. Look, he wasn't very effective at the goal line, especially compared to Zeke at the goal line. You know, Zeke was very effective at the goal line. So you're looking at, a um, you know, a player that should cede goal line work to Zeke unless Zeke falls off. And what are the odds that Zeke, you know, is perfectly healthy all year? I don't know, man. You know, uh, certainly less likely than Ramondre staying healthy. Ramondre, I think, was an underrated prospect the whole time. You know, shout out my podcast, but I often have Felix Sharp on. Felix was telling me from the very beginning that Ramondre was a real deal back. He was right. You know, I mean, he is a real deal back. He's proven that in the NFL. I think probably Bill knows that um, they let Damian Harris walk and they really didn't do anything to the position until. All right, fine. We'll take Zeke for one year, five mil. Cause we have cap space. I mean, it's not like they were eager to add a back. They didn't pay up for Dalvin. They could have had Dalvin for three more mil or four, I guess, or whatever it would have taken to beat the 8.6 offer. So you know, for all those reasons, I think they still view Ramondre as the lead back. And I'm not too worried about it. I would definitely be smashing him in the fourth, anywhere in the fourth. I, I would ask you then, Dan, would you prefer Najee Harris or or, or Ramondre uh, this year, 2023
0: only? That was one of, that was, that was, that's, a, that, I love that. I was actually going to ask that to you guys, but that's a great question, Dan.
1: Yeah. So Ramondre is the, the short and simple answer to that. Thank you. Uh is Thank you. is where I'm at now. You know, before it was it was the opposite. But um, you know, and, and to your point, uh, Scott, on yeah. on why they didn't take Dalvin. You know, I think if they'd have taken Dalvin, that would have said, you know, that would have said, Hey, we don't have the confidence of Ramondre. Totally. Because Dalvin wants to be, you know, that primary lead back. Yes. He wants at least a fifty fifty timeshare. And Zeke was willing to, you know, say, Hey, I'm gonna come in, and I'll I'll do what you need me to do. Uh, so I I think that says a lot right there that they they didn't you know they had the cap space they could have gone after Dalvin and they just didn't.
0: So let's pivot over to a dynasty lens. Ramondre was and I'll say that the dynasty community gets better and better every off season. I think we have more and more information. There's more shows like the Undrafted and the Goat District and Sonic Truth that people are listening to that are giving them like good solid advice because Ramondre Stevenson was in his second year last year. He finished as the only rookie or second-year player inside the RB1 line. Previous years, I think you would have gotten a lot of dynasty love for him, but there was always a little bit of apprehension because he's slightly older. He'll be entering his third season in the league, but he's 25. Now there's the Zeke Elliott signing. Where do we view him from a dynasty lens? Is this the kind of guy that you think is you know going to keep like longevity in New England? um how safe do you feel about him and I'll I'll preface this that Bill Belichick used the words Lawrence Taylor and Tom Brady on a quote about Ramondre last year about how his improvement it was wild quote but there is a little bit of love from Belichick uh that seems like it's one of his guys but how safe should you view him from a dynasty lens is this the kind of guy you want to be taking in your your startups making trade offers for Scott where are you at
2: you know, we we had a you and you and I did my show and we talked about running backs. That's what we talked about, and we talked about not just individual running back uh, players. We talked about archetypes, and we also talked about strategy. And we basically said just be always selling running backs. So essentially, I'm never buying a running back unless I'm kind of selling one at the same time. I guess you know, I mean, I, I'd buy low, but and, and that's probably it. If if someone is afraid that Ramondre is nothing, if you can buy Ramondre low right now. Hundred percent, I am. Um, I kind of put him in the Josh Jacobs, Najee Harris bucket. I think they're all about twenty-five years old. They are all, you know. I, I, I think I still, pref- you know, I took Najee Harris over Ramondre in the in the big game that we did our the Dynasty League I started, and uh, I kind of regretted that. I wanted Ramondre, so I think that's about where I have him because when I saw Ramondre go, I was like, maybe I should have taken Ramondre, and then of course Dalvin was gonna play. You know, so I think he's there. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, these running backs are here today, gone tomorrow. So, anytime you can trade a running back for equal value at, at another position, especially quarterback or wide receiver, you got to do it.
0: So, let's, Dan, you take this one. For let's say it's FFPC Dynasty. A lot of people listening to Goat District play FFPC Dynasty. What would be the sort of offer you'd make to try to get a Ramondre this week?
1: Ah, uh, that's a great question. It's, I think,
0: I, I, like, I feel like a, tw- like, there's some people that would take a, you know, you get a 2024 20, first for Ramondre and a 24, 24 third, that deal is going to be on the table in a lot of leagues right now. Is that something you'd be comfortable doing if you were a contender or would that you pause doing that?
1: I mean, if I'm a contender, yeah, I'm going to do that because I, you know, I, I want to know though, you at least strongly believe that if I'm going to spend that first on Ramondre, that that's going to help me make that a low first. You know, so I'm not going to miss it so much. Yeah. Uh, and and I will point out to Scott that we do have uh, Ramondre in that in our league. So uh, yeah. You know, we we can work out a deal here if uh, if you're looking to. I,
0: no, I think uh, <laughs> no, I don't think you do. No, Dan, we have him in the. We, this is this is called. You're in too many dynasty leagues, Dan. Yep, They're too all many. Running together. Because you and I have has him it. in the. You and I have him on that Dan Williamson Invitational. With yeah. all those FFPC grinders. Do you,
2: do you know, Dan, after the draft, I offered uh Rhino. Rhino has him. I offered him Najee for Ramondre straight up. Just oh, to fuck with his it? brain because they went near each other. And I gave him the option to, to switch it out. And if he said no, now I'm cheering fucking Najee. I hope he kills him, you know?
0: That's, you know. <laughs> shout out to Rhino. Good sport in the Player yeah. Profiler Network. If yeah. you know, it, you know. Um, it, you know and Najee,
1: dynasty-wise for running backs, I mean, you know, basically they're – with almost without exception, they're to me a this year asset, you know. What it, whatever I need for my running backs this year, that's what I'm worried about. You know, if I feel like I've got a championship team, then yeah, I might be buying running backs. If I feel like I, you know, if I don't have them on my team already, uh, if I don't feel like I'm much of a competitor or I'm not sure, and somebody gives me a good offer for a running back, I'm probably going to sell them.
2: Yep, it's as simple as that in Dynasty, yeah. it really is. And it's, it's, it's kind of crazy because. You know, we're all old enough. I can see some gray hairs over there. I don't want to even take my hat off. But, you know, we, we've we've got we've got the memories of Ladanian Tomlinson, Adrian Peterson, these these backs that would last ten years in the league. Those days are gone, it feels like. I mean it just I mean Nick Chubb is the closest thing we've got right now to a guy that's lasting and You just never know. I mean, we we, and we've been saying to sell Nick Chubb for like two, three years incorrectly. But, you know, every other running back, you know, it it was correct advice. So one out of 10 is okay, but it's crazy. These these guys just don't hold on
0: anymore. I bought some Chubb like last year and I'm I'm feeling really good about those. Oh, yeah. I I missed a couple of opportunities. I wish I would have. So here you go, Dan. I was offered a I can get a Ramondre Stevenson with Jahan Dotson and something on top for a Saquon. FFPC
1: you can you can get say it again
0: it was a package it was a bunch of different players but it would be Jahan Dotson it would be Ramondre Stevenson and I could get a second out of it I'm sure for Saquon hmm. and uh, the team has the team already has ETN Jameer Gibbs so I have I have a little bit of juice with that team yeah I mean I you know if you can move think up of to a Saquon thing. No, he's yes. going the other way. No, I oh, would great. be the other way. So I, okay. I, I'm, I'm, I made a big move for Saquon, Saquon, and
1: you think he can get a second, so you can get those, you can get Ramondre, Jahan, and a second. Yeah, yeah I, I, think I, I I'd make that deal.
0: I think, I'm hmm. going to think about it. I'm going to think about it. Where, where are you at on that, Scott?
2: I mean, generally, as hard as those deals are to 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 do, because you know that Saquon is greater than Ramondre, and it's hard to let go. It's probably the right move. Um, you know, those seconds are super valuable. I I'm, I'm in the business of collecting seconds. Yeah, it, it, it's is definitely insane? one, up.
0: I won't say who the person I'm potentially trading with is out of anonymity, but it's someone, Ananimity. you know, Ananimity? yeah, absolutely. It's someone you both know. So, uh, we'll, 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 move on from that one. Let's, let's go with the big one though, because Ramondre was certainly a guy that was a little bit polarizing in startups and, you know, polarizing in terms of his true dynasty value. But a year ago, when there was the Brees Hall ascent, hmm. Brees Hall was lighting the fantasy on fire, ripping off big gains, catching the ball, looking like a potential one hundred and one in redraft for years to come. Has a catastrophic injury, by all accounts, uh, you know the the community didn't really sour on him. He never really lost that much value. He remained in everybody's top three for their dynasty RB rankings. Now Dalvin Cook ends up on the Jets. Dalvin Cook finished inside the RB one line last year. Definitely. Didn't look like the old Dalvin Cook, but still had some positives. Where should Brees Hall right now be valued in redraft? Start with Dan on this one. I
1: mean, I, we went through this exercise uh, Monday night with uh, Chad Schroeder. And we kind of came up with sometime probably in the early six, you know. Uh, we, we liked James Cook over him. Uh, we thought he was probably about the same as Javante, which put him kind of in the, the early sixth. Uh, I don't think he's going to drop that far. I think he's, you know, probably he's going to be dropping to the late fifth, and that might be as far as he drops. Uh, I think you're still going to find people who are willing to grab him in the fourth. Uh, you know, there there's there are some people who have uh, drunk some strong blade on,
0: uh, on Brees. So, uh, you know, all it takes is one in your draft. People are definitely digging their heels in. He went 602 in an FFPC 350 last night. Um, I was not in it, but I knew some people in it, and that's probably the low, for, mm-hmm. but I'm not sure if, if we've seen the low. Um, where are you at, Scott? Where are you comfortable taking him? Let's say in a twelve man league, a twelve person league, um, you know, regular starting lineup and all that?
2: Yes, uh, anatomically correct. Yeah, uh, you know twelve people. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Who knows what kind of I don't know. Yeah, this is a twelve-person. Yes, it could be a person. monkey or a yeah. bear. I mean, if they let him play, I'm fine with it. Their money's good. We're we're gonna play. Yeah, I love that six oh two in the three fifty. That was a good because when the money's on the line, man, I I agree. I think he's fit. Like he's basically a full fade for me. I don't. I can't imagine I'm gonna have him anywhere in a league that's drafted from here till the season starts. I couldn't imagine it uh, because I, I like you say some people. Someone's gonna see him bigger than he is, and I just I hate it. Um, I was a little apprehensive with him just off the injury, but the Dalvin thing is to me it's an absolute crush for this year, <clears throat> and and it leads to the the second thing. So in Dynasty, I think if you ask me that question, that's an easier question almost to answer because he's such a full fade and redraft that I think if you can sell him for anywhere close to top six, top seven. Dynasty running back value, you should do it immediately. I don't care if you're a rebuilder or not. I am out. If you're someone's gonna pay you basically top ten even. I mean, but top five, top ten dynasty running back value, I'm out. And then if you can buy him, you know, for outside the top twenty value, I think maybe that's where you can buy him if someone is slipping. Cause I do think he'll come back next year, but this is basically a loss year. I mean, and I'm only really buying him if I'm a rebuild because I don't think there's very much Look, he can, Dalvin can get hurt, he could come back, but I don't think there's very much value on the surface of things for Brees Hall in 23.
0: So, I mean, the, we'll but, say that the, the dreamer is D'Angelo Williams uh, with Love Bell, Dan, but those <laughs> things do not only happen once in a lifetime. Um, is, is, it, is it that true? I,
1: I got a question for you guys. I mean, you know, how, how weird is it that Dalvin Cook gets signed and then the next day Brees Hall gets removed off the pop And then they're talking about Dalvin may not be ready until the start of the regular season. Uh, You know, that to me, that, that, that's kind of the key point where. Dalvin
2: Dalvin got his money. He's going on a quick vacation. I'll see you in a few weeks, bro. Right. But
1: I mean that, you know, that tells me that, you know, there was, there was something going on behind the scenes. And I think that something was probably Aaron Rodgers. This just reeks of Aaron Rodgers, you know, pulling in his cronies and saying, you know, these are the guys I want to play with and, and, you know, basically probably threatening behind the scenes to pitch a fit if he doesn't get his guys and so they're like okay well you know dalvin wanted two years and so they they messed around and messed around and messed around until finally they were able to get him to say okay i'll take a one-year deal they're like okay good we'll do a one-year deal that's all we know for sure that we have rogers for so now we feel okay with it thoughts on that
2: yeah, I think that's about uh, that's about right. I don't mean to cut you off, uh, Theo, but
0: no, it's you're, <coughs> but, you guys are it's right, it's correct. Dan's usually correct on these sort of things. It's like the circus. Yeah. You get Randall Cobb and Alan Lazard and now Dalvin Cook. It's it's the Rogers show. I had
2: I had Pat Corain on the show. I, t- I said a pre-show, didn't I? Uh, yeah. And mm-hmm. he said that the Jets didn't view Brees as a as a bell cow, and I was like, I, I just pushed back. I didn't believe it. I don't know. Maybe they do or don't. Maybe you're right. Maybe it's more Rodgers. But either way, they did make this move, and it is super, super scary. But I do believe in Brees' talent and that he'll eventually sort of get healthy and be good at football again. But I'm just not so sure he's going to have a a pathway to 75% of the touches in that backfield
0: in any single game for the rest of the year unless Dalvin gets hurt. Let's let's pivot to Dalvin Cook in redraft, Mm -hmm. guys, because Dalvin Cook, like – he's he's not being signed to be a a breather back like in my opinion the amount of money they gave him he's got a clear role on the team right now he's going off the board right around let's call it rb 31 dan sound about right
1: yeah that's that's uh, underdog so
0: he might be a little different but let's go with an underdog adp um running back 31 okay so let's say he's a He's a locked-in RB3, guys. If Any any format you play is a locked-in RB3 right now, um, high stakes, home leagues, whatever. He's going to go inside the top 36, probably not going to go inside the top 24 unless we hear some horrible news about Brees Hall the next few weeks. How should we be valuing him? Let's go OTC. Scott, Dalvin Cook or Antonio Gibson? Dalvin Cook. Okay, Dalvin Cook or A.J. Dillon?
2: Dalvin Cook. I have Dalvin Cook right ahead of Alexander Madison at at running back twenty seven.
0: Okay, so you're you're ahead on him. Um,
2: What
1: what about uh, Dalvin or Isaiah Pacheco?
2: There you go. They're back to back. I've got Pacheco, then Cook, then Madison. Uh, They're right there. That's right.
0: Dan Alvin Kamara, who looked very good in the preseason game, or Dalvin Cook.
1: Probably going Alvin over Dalvin, but I don't like it.
2: Yeah, I, I <laughs> agree. Out. I have Al, I have Kamara at the at twenty five, right ahead of Pacheco and Cook. I think that's right. I you know yeah. they're super close, and maybe it's preference, maybe it's team build at that point, maybe it's a lot of things. But you know, I think maybe maybe it's the guy that falls to you. Right, a lot of times you look at those guys, you're not reaching for any of them, but one of them falls and you click the button type of thing. I think that's the right right zone though, and if if one of them is going to fall the other guy that that could fall past all of them that's probably
0: a better value is david montgomery hmm. i like that one um yep. let's let's go back you know i want to hear dan's thoughts on this um breece hall let's say you're not trading him let's say you're neutral towards him where would you value Brees hall in terms of like the the dynasty running back rankings or hierarchy if you want to just go tier here dan Ah, oh,
1: that's a good one um I mean, behind th- Taylor. Yeah, he's he's behind Taylor, I think. Um, uh, that's um, let me take a quick look here and uh, Yeah, and, so and so he's and, already you already
0: RB three. Dan's not a Jameer Gibbs guy. We'll get into that in a moment. Yeah, yeah, so right. we won't even ask you Jameer Gibbs, but so so I
1: think I think you gotta throw him in there around, you know, probably I, I'm gonna throw him in there before Najee, before Ramondre. Um maybe around Kenneth
0: Walker. That's okay. I I think, I think you're about right with that. I think it's a very interesting notion though, because when we're talking about dynasty value, year two matters, especially Mm -hmm. when you played half the season, um, you know, in year one, it'd be one thing if, if Hall had like a knock in, in week 17 and we had this full season of, 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 you know, unbelievable scoring. Um, I don't know. It's, 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 it stinks. It really stinks to have Brees Hall in dynasty right now, um, and I think the like the better question is when we start going down the line of wide receiver, because right now when we go wide receiver versus running back, a lot of these tiebreaker questions, there's more wide receivers you would take in a Brees Hall trade today than you would a month ago. When yeah, that, 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 that begs yeah.
2: the question: Why weren't we trading Brees Hall at top three running back value? You know, in this last month when we knew that they were interested in Dalvin. Look, if he doesn't go there, you still have the injury risk. If he does go there, you kind of got out well ahead of this terrible news. It's making me kind of upset uh, that I didn't do that a little sooner in a couple spots. But, you know, because if you'd have traded <clears throat> Brees Hall for Javante Williams in a first a month ago, people would have been like, man, eh, I kind of like the Brees side. And now it's Javante because mm-hmm. Javante is going to play on Saturday, they said. I don't yeah. know. I mean, that's been wild. announced. I don't. It, that's wild, right? Yeah, it's, so- it's insane. It's insane. And shout-out
0: to – not to interrupt you, Dan, but shout-out to – we have Deepak Chona doing injury content for us guys. He's awesome. Highly encourage you guys to get him on the GOAT District um, and the Undrafted. Like, he's really good. But he he came on with Billy and I the other day, and he went on with Matt for a top 10 injury takeaways. Uh, Really good show. But he talked about how they're doing, like, collective surgery. So if you have multiple things with your knee, you used to do one thing – then do a separate surgery, then keep going. But now they're doing these massive surgeries and it worked perfectly with Javante. And he's like, these guys are healing quicker. And our priors on, on knee injuries need to kind of be checked. Cause in a couple of years, it's going to get even better.
2: I I, I asked, uh, I asked Anand I said, is our injuries now like the salary cap? They just, they're not real. Yeah,
1: I don't know. I mean, a, cu- a couple thoughts on that first, uh, you know, shout out to, to JD who's not with us today because he's, uh, he's sunning himself on the beaches of Portugal for two weeks.
2: I was going to say he's living his best life. Yeah, it, poor JD. No doubt about
1: it. We are, we are all insanely jealous of him, but, uh, you know, one of, one of JD's big maxims is you, that you, uh, you buy the rumor, you sell the news, you know, and that's just kind of what you were talking about, Scott of, yeah. you know, with, with Brees, uh, you know, there was that big window there where, you know, yeah, we probably should have been selling Breeze, or at least contenders should have been selling Breeze for sure. And, you know, but now that the, the actual news has dropped, windows closed.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So guys, let's, let's pivot off. You know, Brees Hall is not the only year two back. We have a bunch of year two backs now that have kind of in a kind of a comfort zone where people are starting to get really excited about them. We love the draft class last year um, in the Goat District, and a lot of these guys kind of flashed. But right now, which running back do you think has the best season? Rashad White, James Cook, Damian Pierce, or Ken Walker? Start with Dan.
1: That's probably – I don't know. I. You can pick like two, James Dan. Cook. We'll give you two. <laughs> All right, I – I'm I'm gonna go with James Cook because I think he's the guy on the best offense who's gonna get uh, you know probably a pretty good amount of targets. Uh, Rashad White, probably second.
2: Uh, it,
1: it, as you can tell, I'm not much of a King, Ken Walker guy.
2: Wow, That's where are you crazy. at, Scott? Yeah, I mean I I, I love Ken Walker. <laughs> I, I don't <laughs> I don't know what to what there's not to like. I mean uh, I. What is there not to like, uh, if you don't mind sharing? Well,
0: I'll, I don't want to speak for Dan, but I think that there's a chance that he loses out on the receiving work to Charlotte and the goal line work. He was not right great around the goal line last yeah. year. Um, he's a guy who rips off big plays, and he's a hell of a runner. Um, but I think that there's more of a chance of a split. That's I, Dan, why don't you answer for yourself here? But that's kind of like my fears. Yeah, the
1: the, the bull case for Walker is definitely Nick Chubb, right? I mean, you know, that's yeah. that's what we're all hoping for, and you know, I. But I'm just, I'm a little bit less convinced. I've I've never liked Walker as well as Chubb. Um, I've always thought Chubb was a better talent, and yes. you know, so that's why it's a little bit hard for me to <clears throat> to say, you know, that that's a realistic ceiling for him. Uh, you know, and I just I worry about backs that aren't going to get a. Decent amount of receiving work and taking him too high in Dynasty and I think that's kind of where he's at right now you know if he was cheaper in Dynasty I would definitely take him if he was uh, you know if he was going a little bit you know he's he's going almost the right spot in redraft if if he was going in the you know the late fifth early sixth uh, I'd be definitely taking more of him than I am right now but he's just not quite getting there a lot of times
0: okay so you've established and I'll say I like Ken Walker I like James Cook a lot I like both those answers You guys have established your favorite back. Who's your second favorite back? Just out of curiosity, Dan, of the if you could have one of these four guys, uh, let's take it for redraft.
1: So for redraft, I I think my second favorite is probably Rashad White. Uh, Third is going to be Ken Walker. I'll I'll, I'll give you that, Scott.
0: Ken Walker's. Let me ask you:
2: Are you just saying at value, or are you? actually have he's like, saying
0: he's saying in general james no way ahead
2: in of, of of ken walker like you think james cook is going to finish with more fantasy points than ken walker this year i do i'll take that bet can we bet something is this is this well, you uh, got to give him
0: you got to give him odds on that one i don't I'm have to give say, him odds
2: he's i asked him straight up what do you get in here you what are you the bookie all that's got to be a
0: three to two odds i got Oh, get gotta, the hell out of here he yeah. just
2: said he has him ahead why do i have to give him odds they're they you know, I have to I contend with Zach the
1: Charbonnet. Market, that's why you got to give me odds.
2: Oh, the market. Now we're talking. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Listen, off the air, we'll negotiate this thing. But to me, like Ken Walker and, and James Cook, James Cook who's never had 10 carries in his life, uh, is somehow going to become some sort of bell cow when he's got Damian Harris, the hammer there, and uh, Josh Allen, the goal line vulture. Look, I don't think James Cook is a very good runner. I think he's a pretty good pass catcher, but I'll d- I'll take him last on this list. Absolute dead last. Um, I do see the upside play if he can find the end zone on some lucky runs here and there uh, because that offense will be wide open. But he is not a running back. He is a pass down back. He's Naheem Hines. You know, that's what he is. Right. So, you know, I I think that's all you're going to get. If you get 15 to 20 carries on in specific games from James Cook, I'll be pretty surprised. I really will be. I think I think Damian Harris is going to see a lot of like goal line work and just he's a hammer. He's not a very nuanced player. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna go out and say that, but he will throw you to the ground. I've, I I watch New England games. I mean, he is an underrated runner of the football. So I think he's gonna take some of that. He's gonna win that locker room. He's gonna. He's gonna be a pass blocker. I'm sure he's a tough minded player. So I don't think you can just take Damian Harris off the field altogether. <clears throat> I think Ken Walker. It also plays in a high powered offense. I mean, yes. We got to I love the Seattle team. I'm drafting Seattle all over the place. Geno Smith is one of my favorite to draft. Um, J.J. Zacharison sort of talked me into drafting even Zach Charbonnet, who I'm not a huge fan of. But you're right. He could get goal line and pass down. It could be the Kareem Hunt to Ken Walker's chub. You know, all you know, one of my favorite jokes leading up to the draft that Ken Walker was in is is Ken Walker like a half chub. You know, and of course, it's a funny, jo- funny joke, but it, w- it was the real question. How much what percentage Chub is he? Is he a half Chub, three quarter Chub? What what is Ken Walker? And, you know, that's exactly who he is. He's a he's a he's a north south runner with explosion. Uh, he might get better, too, because he wasn't very good on a down to down basis, but he was a young player. So if he gets any better and add some nuance to the fact that he was a home run hitter he could have a huge season he also showed some proficiency in the past game there's also a possibility that he's just straight up better than charbonnet and all all all, all game scripts and that he basically is a you know 70 30 player i i know it could go closer to 50 50 and we could get hurt with ken walker but I, he's not going to lose to me anyway it's very unreasonable for me to think that he's going to lose the majority of the touches and fall behind 50 50 with him. Rashad white. I love too, because it looks like he's got the whole damn backfield to himself. And while that team isn't very good, I love Rashad white. He's one of those guys that, you know, you guys are talking about going wide receiver, wide receiver, you know, you, you know, if you're in the fifth, sixth round, God, when Rashad white's there, it's just like auto click. You've got this dope team and he's your running back one or two. I love hitting Rashad white, you know, with an already dope team. And then just, I know i'm going to get volume i'm not exactly sure what that team looks like and it's kind of similar for damian pierce right
0: yeah it's definitely an interesting question i do think a lot of these this this is going to be a fun year for year two wide receivers are going to hit a lot of them and i think a lot of these running backs are going to give us uh, some big fantasy weeks uh rapid fire yeah scott where are you selecting jameer gibbs and i love jameer gibbs dan does not <laughs>
2: Yeah, I do, too. Um, I, I mean, we've seen what they thought even DeAndre Swift was in that offense. And they hated DeAndre Swift so much. So they basically drafted a running back in the top 12, which, by the way, is a huge data point for any running back ever in the history of the league. Basically, any top 12 uh, you know running back ever dra- ever drafted was was productive uh, pretty much out the gate. So they have a plan for him. They're going to be paying him a lot of money. They love him. Uh, Jared Goff's a check down warrior. Uh, I think he is more than just a check down receiver. I think he's, well, we saw it, right? He's super fast. And so he can burn linebackers on wheel routes. He's going to be a chess piece out there. And I think he's going to put a lot of pressure on the defense. I think they're going to play him a lot. Um, Certainly in some games, they may not have to, like when they play, um, you know, the Packers who are awful and have a bad quarterback and can't score. So they're going to, you know, win, win those games easily. Love Duncan on Jordan Love. But, no, but Jameer Gibbs, I think, is going to have a lot of games where he's asked to, to catch a lot of balls. He could, he could catch, you know, maybe 80 balls this year. Yeah. I'm not saying he will. I'm saying that's a ceiling. I'm saying that he's a lock for about 50 catches, wouldn't you
0: say? Reggie Bush, 91 catches. Yeah. That's, that's what we're going for here. We're yeah, I mean, that's, that not,
2: that's not like a prediction. That's like a, yeah. oh, my gosh. That's, that's like, it what, yes. like it could happen. Yes.
0: Like it could happen.
2: What's
1: the huge difference between Jameer Gibbs and James Cook other than draft position?
0: Well, I think that Jameer <Set>. Gibbs is Jamir Jamir Gibbs. Come yeah, skill set. I, I, he's faster. Neither one of them.
1: Neither one of them is very good at
0: running between the tackles. He's faster. He's a more productive receiver. He led. He led Alabama in catches last year. I mean, the guys. Yeah, I, I and also, just, draft capital matters, Dan. All it, the top it, twelve. All the top twelve drafted running backs have given you an RB one season, and it's usually not near three guys. It's usually right out the, out the gate. Right. Well, but the, James the other Cook thing is also playing is...
1: on a high-powered offense, and he's also the best running back on his team. And I don't know if he can, you know. Gibbs has how... got to contend with Montgomery. He's got to contend with Amon Ross, Saint Brown. I mean, you know, there, there's there's some headwinds there that people just don't acknowledge.
2: How many times? How many times has Jared Goff checked down to his running back versus um, you know Josh Allen? I mean, it's 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 a that... much more fruitful passing game for a running back in that, in that, in that, uh, in that offense. I would also say, uh, if I'm going to look real quick, but let me check and see if ever Jameer Gibbs had more than 10 carries in a game. I think he might have once or twice. Oh, yes, there it is. Many, many times in college he was given you know 15 carries or more in a game, whereas James Cook had 13 carries once in his college career.
0: Guys, we're, we're almost at the hour-long mark to be continued. We, we're looking forward to having Jax back in the district. Um, let's call it like week six, week eight, and we're, we're going to have our Jameer Gibbs victory lap, and we'll get to really, really, be great. really uh, hand it to Dan on that one. But uh, I love guys, Dan
2: so much that I love just going at him. I don't even know why. We've I love it. What was the last one we had? Well, up. you guys
0: have your historical beef, oh. which is no more with the Cam Akers one. That's how you guys came <laughs> to be <laughs> best buddies. Yes, it was so good. The, uh, Cam
2: Akers this year – we're gonna we're gonna get it this year. Yeah, yes, this year don't yes, take
1: out. Fight. Just
0: wait, guys. Real quick again, get- I was right before anybody else. That's all it was. <laughs> guys, make sure you stay tuned. Don't I see a lot of people watching right now? Make sure you stay tuned because there's a huge dynasty roundtable. Our boy Memphis Young is in the dynasty roundtable tonight. He's gonna bring the heat. Um, you know him from the Dynasty Warzone. Guys, let's go around the horn. Last year, Josh Jacobs. Or if you want to go a little softer. You could go Ramondre Stevenson and Tony Pollard. We saw a bunch of big hits. Jacobs, Josh Jacobs finished running back one, running back two, depending on your scoring. You had Ramondre Stevenson finish inside the RB one line. Tony Pollard finished inside the RB one line. Miles Sanders finished inside the RB one line. All four of these guys were drafted somewhere at the very end of RB two, all the way down to the end of RB three. Who's going to be the the back being drafted in this range? That's going to help uh, fantasy players win their league this year, Scott. Cam Akers, love it, love the Cam Akers answer. I,
2: I, I mean, it might be, it, you know, I, it might be I kind of said that halfway just to kind of get Dan a little riled up. I think Cam Akers is line is lined up for some uh, some some serious, uh, you know, volume. That offense should be good for a little while. I'm super. I'm su- Aren't you guys nervous, like whether it's Stafford, Cup, Akers, all these guys? like, that this team might just run out of, like – like, they'll be, like, three and eight, and they'll be like, oh, fuck it. You know what I mean? Like, where they just sort of, eh, you know, they're hurt, they're sitting, they're resting, they're not playing full speed. Like, I don't know. I just feel like that team might sort of quit on itself because they're just not going to be very good. On the flip side, their defense is so bad, they're going to have to score points, and it's just going to be Stafford to cup ad nauseum for as long as they can stay healthy. And and I think Acres is the only back that's going to be there to, to really just get it all. Uh, so I- – there's a couple ways Akers goes, but one of them is this, like, ridiculous, you know, comeback, you know, always playing from behind, fast-paced offense that's garbage time, you know, garbage time heaven.
0: Yeah, Akers was my answer when we had this conversation with Nelson Sousa, when nice. Dan and I met with him, and I, Billy and I also met with Nelson, and that was, Cam Akers to me, there's so much to like about him. I'm starting to draft a little bit of Kyron Williams just because I'm really worried about what you said. But I think the other outcome is this is Cam Akers, of the year we've really been waiting on. I think he's got some unknown receiving upside because I think there's not enough weapons in L.A. not to pass him the ball a little bit more. Um, and I think he's very good. And he came back from a catastrophic injury. He managed to not get cut, managed to not get traded. And this is, this is the year where it all comes together. Love Rashad White because of the receiving ability that you referenced as well. I think there's a chance Rashad White could be a 70-catch guy. Um, yeah. And if he's a 70-catch guy, then he's going to be an RB1, period. Uh, based on what he's going to with the running backs behind them. So. I I,
2: hopefully, I'm not taking Dan's answer too. But there's one other sneaky one, and that's uh, Travis Etienne, who plays in a very good offense. Who everybody's thrown out with the bathwater here because Tank Bigsby's the next, you know, uh, Todd Gurley apparently uh, is what I'm hearing. <laughs> but um, right, but um, it could be that Tank Bigsby is just the next James Robinson, who's going to spell Etienne. Etienne's going to get a lot of high leverage touches on a team that should score a ton of points. That needs to score a ton of points in that conference. So.
0: Dan, take it away. <clears throat> Give us the Dan Williamson, our RB league winner.
1: All right. I, I, I got two of them for you. One of them James is a Cun- little bit con- contingent, though. What we need is we need Jalen Warren to go wild in, the, in a preseason game. And if that happens, Najee Harris is probably going to drop down to the sixth round, a la uh, Josh Jacobs. And I, I think that's going to be mostly noise rather than signal in the preseason there. And I think Najee Harris is the guy. So if he starts dropping down there, man, I am going to be loading up with both hands. But failing that, uh, you know, it's it kind of might be Javante Williams. We left him for dead for most, of, <laughs> for most of draft season. And all of a sudden, you know, he's like the undertaker, man. You know, he just yes. rises up and he's just like, yeah, I, you know, you tried to bury me. Not happening.
0: I love and this. And guys, this won't be the last time you hear me say it, but I have an eighth round Javante Williams in an FFPC main event. So when I win a million bucks, I'm going to take my man Scott and my man Dan. We're going to Vegas, guys. We're doing something. Maybe New Orleans. We're doing something. If I win the millie, All All right. guys, this was awesome. Scott, let everybody know where they can find you and what shows you have dropping. Uh,
2: so yeah, the show with Anna and is going to be on the Player Pro- Player Profiler Network. It is also on the Undroppables Network. Uh, the Undrafted is the name of the show. You can find me on Twitter at Dino Game Theory, uh, com at theundroppables. You know, you know where to find me.
0: Yeah, definitely highly recommend Jax, uh, Chalk, Tommy, all the guys at the un- un- Undroppables are just dropping great stuff. And they're all very, very good follows as well on Twitter. Dan, uh, let everybody know where they can find you.
1: Yeah, so I'm at OverhypedSweeper. Uh, Drop the final E from Sweeper. And make sure you go back if you haven't done it yet. Uh, we've got some great content uh, in the Goat District over the past couple weeks. weeks. Um, Last week on this on this very show we had uh, we had Billy Wazowski and we had um, uh, Chris Vaccaro, two great high stakes players. Then on the regular Goat District channel we had Nelson Sousa, uh, who is just absolutely fantastic. If you don't know what his fade list is, you're probably not winning in fantasy football. And then we had Chad Schroeder as well. Uh, so we've 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 gotten some high stakes just absolute whales on. And they've been uh, really letting us know, you know, exactly how they're drafting. I mean, they're not pulling punches. They're not, you know, saying, I don't want to talk about this or I don't want to talk about that. I mean, you know, they've really been opening a vein. So uh, those episodes are highly worth watching. Uh, We're going to have some draft episodes coming up where we do drafts and everything as well, as well as some other great guests that we're uh, negotiating with right now. So it's going to be a lot of fun uh, finishing
0: off the season. Yeah, you can look for the GOAT District every Wednesday night, but I see a lot of people right now watching live Open up your phone, go to go to Apple, go to Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, and make sure you're subscribing to the the undrafted and make sure you're subscribing to the Goat District. These two guys here are gonna help you win all season long. We hope you crush your drafts. Uh, tune in, make sure you're make sure you're tuning in next week. Uh, make sure you're tuning in uh, tomorrow, I'm gonna be with Billy Muzio on First Class Fantasy and we're gonna have Fantasy Mojo, Darren Armani probably the best ADP coverage in all of fantasy football. And we're also going to have Chad Schroeder on the best fantasy player that's ever played the game. So that'll be a really good one. Three 30 Eastern time. Everyone have a great night. Thanks again to Scott. Thanks again to Dan and stay with the goat district all summer long.
4: Hey, I want to take a moment to thank you for tuning in. It's important to me that all of our media be free. This is only possible because of you